When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is Ace Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go Hayes! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy and blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We are calling an audible today. We're going Omaha right out of the gate. We've got a great show for you today here on A's Cast Live. Jim Duquette, the former GM and one of the hosts of the Power Alley on Sirius XM is going to be here at 1.30. Jesse Rogers, who's a great columnist for ESPN.com, will be here at 2.30, and he is based in Chicago. Turn my, my headphones up a little bit. Uh, he is going to be here at 2.30. Obviously, one of the funniest things today is out of the Chicago Tribune, Tony LaRusse is back. And it's Tony 3.0, the trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) We will get into that. But more importantly, it's time for the Mark Kotze Show, brought to you by nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep for all your bedding needs, your mattress, your sheets, your pillows. They have a location in the Bay Area, but you go to nestbedding.com. Mark Kotze from Chicago, how are you? I'm doing well. Tony, how are you, buddy? I am doing well, and I was filling out my scorebook, and I realized all of a sudden, you got the same lineup as you did yesterday. Am I am I seeing that correctly? Yeah, that's that's great. Way to way to start it off. Um, you know, uh, Mike Aldretti came in and he said, "Hey, what are we doing here today?" I mean, we thought we were on track to go one sixty one of one sixty two with different lineups. So um, we do have the same lineup, and uh, you know, looking forward to these guys going out and and hopefully uh, repeating the performance that uh, that they were able to have last night. What is that process like every single day when you put the lineup together and it's always different versus traditionally you like to have the same guys in the same spot? Just take us through that thought process. Yeah, you know, I think with the roster versatility and, you know, obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of factors that go into it. The, the youth that's on the roster, the veterans that are on the roster, um, you know, trying to balance – um, what we would say, getting these young guys the experience and, and you know, also uh, mixing in the veteran guys so that, you know, they provide that, that, that leadership and, 
you know, that foundation. So, um, you know, each day is different. Uh, each day presents its own challenges. Uh, each starting pitcher is different from day to day in terms of how they align with different swings. And, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's a collaboration of, of our hitting coaches, um, myself, um, you know, talking through what we feel each guy, individual guy has, you know, the opportunity to have the most success against. And then, you know, you look at the guys that, that aren't in the lineup and you, you try to evaluate how long they've sat for, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm of the mindset, um, you know, to mix these guys in and to keep them fresh and to utilize the roster um, so that everybody feels a part of it. And I feel like that's the best way that, you know, in terms of a team that you can, you know, keep guys uh, engaged, keep them fresh. Uh, if you look at our pinch hit numbers, uh, you know, guys coming off the bench right now are, are performing. And, uh, and, you know, we're, we're in several categories, you know, at the top of, of the list with uh, performance from that standpoint. That's something to be proud of because that means your guys are engaged. They're engaged the entire game. It's not like you're looking around going, hey, we want so-and-so to pitch hit, and they're up there playing cards and playing video games. I mean, the fact that your guys are coming ready at all times, it's, you know, two hours, 40 minutes, three hours, whatever it is, and you guys lead and pinch hits. Wouldn't you say that is something to be proud of? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I mean, the way that, that um, you know, the game has changed in terms of starting pitching, um, you've seen several teams, you know, use openers or use bulk guys, I mean, us included, um, but really, you know, to play matchups. And, and um, the more and more we get into this, you're seeing, you know, that change and in, in that process. You look at the Giants, the way they utilize their pitching uh, against us for those four game series, um, you know, outside of, uh, you know, maybe two guys in their rotation, they've, they've opened for, for most of, or the other three. So, um, really keeping them engaged and getting them um, opportunities uh, to have success really is, is uh, you know, what I look at each and every day. All the talk, obviously, is go off. We'll get into that. I want to bring up Shea Langoliers. I talked to them the other day, and the confidence is changing. You're seeing something different. The numbers show it. Last five games, hitting 353, four home runs. He's hitting the ball hard. He's seeing it. He's got good rhythm to his swing. Something's happening here at the very end. What are you seeing with your catcher? Well, it's, it's what we want to see happen, right, Townie? We, we want him to progress. We want him to finish on a strong note and, and you know, show that uh, this incremental progress is, is happening and going, you know, through the end of the season and, and you know, building off of that confidence level that, that we're hopeful of uh, going into next year. I talked a lot about this, and I continue to compare him to Sean Murphy his first full season um, because I think there's there's a lot of similarities. You know, Sean struggled offensively. If you look at Sean's numbers, uh, not to say that Shays are in line, but I think they're pretty close, and maybe they will be in line at the end of the season, um, you know, the way Shays uh, swinging the bat right now. So he's worked hard. Uh, again, I, I alluded to this at the beginning of the year, the challenges – that he was going to face having only caught 25 games in the big leagues um, and, and wanting to be great on the defensive side and learning that position and all it, all that it entails really. And the, from the scouting reports to, you know, the in-game, you know, management of our pitching staff to, uh, you know, then going up and going to hit. So um, I think he's, you know, trending in the right direction right now. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the most home runs Murph ever hit was last year at 18. He's at 15 with, you know, 
a lot of games to go, really. And and you talked about how important it is for these guys to finish strong, and that's something you like to see. And for Zach Geloff, I mean, just the, the numbers in August, 346, seven home runs, 13 RBIs. We can go through all of that at 1,100 OPS. There's something about leadership qualities you're starting to see. There's something that we like to call the it factor. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. Some guys have feel for the game. Some guys have a rhythm to the game. Just beyond the numbers, what are you seeing in the clubhouse? What do you see on the plane? What do you see on the bus? How do you see in the interaction? What kind of guy is Zach Geloff, and what kind of leadership qualities does he have? Uh, in terms of a guy, he's a great guy. Um, you know, we can, we can laugh, we can joke. Um, but yeah, we can be serious, uh, in conversations. And, you know, I think, uh, this young man has been impressive since, since he stepped foot in our clubhouse. Uh, he was impressive in spring training with, um, you know, his, his mindset, his confidence. Um, but you know, in terms of how he handles himself and, and, you know, whether he becomes, you know, this leader of this club, uh, he's going about it the right way. He's asking the right questions. He's surrounding himself, you know, with the right guys and um, really, truly just he's a worker. He comes in here, prepares every day. Uh, you know, today coming off last night's game, it was 100 degrees. It was, it was 65, 70 percent humidity. It was hot last night. It was a grind. It was like playing in the sauna. And uh, these guys were gassed. You know, we, we gave him a, a break today, you know, keeping him out off the field. And, and all Zach wants to do is go out and, and get some work in because it's part of his routine. So, um, you know, that says a lot about his character and, and about the way he, uh, you know, pushes himself and, and the level that he expects to be at. And, you know, Tony, I'm, I mean, Witt is a great player and Witt's probably the American League Rookie of the Year. It would have been fun, you know, had Zach got here a little bit earlier to see these two on a parallel path um, because what Zach's accomplished since he's been here is pretty incredible. Yeah, Witt's a decent little player, isn't he? He is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God, that guy. Uh, very, very impressive. You know, when I think about coaching, a lot of the great coaches, they're not going to be guys that played at the big league level. A lot of the great coaches never played in the NFL or the NBA. A lot of great coaches, one of the things, they're great communicators, they're great teachers, and and with all that being said, there is something about having guys on your staff like yourself who have played in the big leagues so that you can talk to a Butler or a Geloff about what it's like to be at this level. Talk about how not all great coaches, like I said, have to play at the highest level, but isn't it important to have some guys around that the players can talk about the experiences? Yeah, as long as the, the players are old enough to know who you are, <laughs> what you did. Come on, we're not uh, that you know, old. <laughs> um, it, it helps to be able to share experiences for sure. Um, you know, the 17 year career that I, I went through, uh, Mike Aldretti, 10 plus year career that he went through. Um, you know, we, we are able to, to share those experiences in a way that may be different from someone that hasn't, um, you know, performed at this level, been on the field under the big lights under, you know, played on a state in a stadium with the third, third level, the upper deck, you know, and things do change and mindsets are, um, you know, somewhat um, hard to, to kind of communicate. But yet, if you've, if you've been through those experiences, I think they're more apt to, to 
listen to you and open up and, and ask more questions, be more engaged. And, um, you know, last night, Lawrence Butler came in, walked in the office post game. He's like, Cots, I should have had that ball that Intendi hit in front of me. I'm like, did you have the right read? What was your first step? He's like, I broke. And then I didn't think it was going to stay up that long. You know, and it's like, hey, that's understandable. I mean, I've been in your shoes. If you come and you charge and you die for that ball, it goes by you. Now it's a triple, you know. So, I granted, there's two outs. And, yeah, it would have been a great play. But you played it the way, you know, you felt most confident in. And, and the, that's the right mindset, you know. So uh, what's great about that conversation was that he came in and wanted to know, wanted to talk about it. You know, I guess we are not that far away where the players are going to come in and ask you what it was like to ride on trains and only play day games. <laughs> wool uniforms. There are those wool uniforms, and you guys oh, you, you guys used to sharpen your spikes before the game, right? Didn't that happen back in the day? <laughs> yeah, that's right, Tommy. That's right. You know, when we made the opening of your show um, talked about, you know, you this show talks about everything from humidors – and I was like, "Oh, are we going to talk about cigars today? Wow, we got." I, I am willing. I am willing because you know I wouldn't mind finding a cigar sponsor for us. As you and I are both big cigar guys, uh, that might be a good. I'm always worried about what I'm willing to sell. I mean, I'll sell anything for God's sakes. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always worried about what the organization is going to go. Eh. Hey, uh, Ruiz. Um, what's the plan with him? Do you think the rest of the way of how much he's going to play in center, how much he's going to play left, right, how much he's going to lead off? What is your plan the rest of the way with him? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's one, you know, I'm going to communicate to, to Ruiz in terms of, you know, right now against this right-handed run that we've got, you know, I'm going to try to find him, you know, the best matchups available. Uh, you know, he's been scuffling offensively, um, you know, not just against righties, but I think, um, for the last couple of weeks, been been scuffling, you know, and we're working on um, getting him a little bit more upright, getting him more direct to the baseball. Um, you know, that's a that's a process here, and uh, change isn't easy. There, you're going to experience some failure, um, but you've got to stick with it and and believe in it. And uh, you know, I think for SD, um, you know, we're, he's going to be in the lineup. Um, you know, it's 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 as I said. Um, you know, a challenge at this point, you know, because performance does matter. And and there are guys that are swinging the bat well. Lawrence has been swinging the bat well. Tony Kemp, you know, two hits last night, a double and a homer. Uh, Brownie's been swinging well. So, uh, you know, and obviously Rooker, what Rooker's been on a, on a run right now for the last yes. you know, seven, ten days. So, um, you know, performance is kind of dictating that as well. And, and uh, you know, we'll do our best to, to give him as many opportunities um, going forward as we can. Yeah, quickly, I want to get to Chicago real quick. Uh, but, yes, Rooker, it's great to see. You know, that first half was phenomenal. It's really good to see him starting to show those signs again. Yeah, the confidence is coming back, and uh, the at-bats have been great. Uh, last night he should have had I – mean, literally he missed the first pitch of the game – that he flew out on. Um, he could have easily had three homers last night, but made, he made sure of the second homer uh, because Robert uh, made a great play on, on the ball at the dead center. That's one of the better better defensive plays I've seen all year. Let's end on this because I realize with a lot of our young staff, when you talk about Chicago, they're like, I haven't been. So if they're cool. going to go east, they usually go to the east coast. They don't go to the Midwest. 
Chicago to me is one of the great cities in our country. I absolutely love Chicago. It's it's the big city with the nice Midwest people is the best way to explain it. You got you got a time to play in Chicago for the Chicago White Sox. How was your time and what do you think about Chicago? No, I love Chicago and I think you're right. You know, it, it combines East and West because there's some East Coast culture here and then there's a ton of West Coast culture as well. Like if you wanted to take New York City and take parts of New York City out of there and, and bring, you know, parts of San Fran or L.A. and dump it in. I think that's kind of the culmination of Chicago. You've got a beautiful lake lake shore. Um, you know, it's it's the weather outside of, you know, a couple months uh, is, is pretty nice. It's it's not it's not the East Coast uh, grind or grit. Um, but uh, my time here and I got got here in late um, August of 09. Um, and spent all year in 10, had a great time, you know, the, uh, from ownership to, to the fans. The fans are as blue-collar as they get, and uh, you, you got to appreciate the way they see the game and, and the way they support their team. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. I'm going to start working on a cigar sponsor right now, by the way. I have a uh, cigar store not far from my house. I'm going to work on something for us for uh, the 2024 season. All right, Tanya. And there's no chance you'd be able to get Upman to, to sponsor us, but I mean, this is one of the finest ones. Um, any chance you reach out to Padron and can get them on the line, you'd be a hero. Anything is possible. By the way, I love the idea of you playing spoiler here in the second half, and it really starts the minute you touch down in Seattle, you got a great chance to play spoiler. Yeah, we, we really do. And, you know, I mean, we want to we want to kind of like I talked about in St. Louis, you know, establish an identity, um, play competitively. And, uh, you know, we'll have 18 games in our division against Seattle, um, Texas and Houston uh, in, and also Anaheim. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it'll be fun. It's going to be fun to uh, to see how we stack up against these highly competitive playoff contending teams. Great stuff. Enjoy the rest of the weekend and the Pacific Northwest. We'll see you back at the Coliseum. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. The Mark Kotze Show right here on A's Cast Live and A's Cast brought to you by Nest Betting. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbetting.com. They got a location in the Bay Area. But you go to Nest Betting for your mattress, the mattress that Mark Kotze and his entire family sleep on, Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Ricky Henderson's a good friend of Nest Bedding. But you go to nestbedding.com for your bed, your pillows, your sheets. They got everything you need. They are the sponsor of the Mark Kotze Show right here. And, yes, I got to tell you, I have the scorebook right here. I cannot believe I cannot believe what my eyes have just saw. Jack Buck. Oh, same lineup? I cannot. You remember that, Jack Buck? Uh, what call was that? Or do you do that a lot? I remember I – remember, it's a famous baseball call. I don't remember exactly. It was a Cardinals game. I know that. <laughs> I cannot believe. My favorite was he used to do Monday night football. Joe Buck's dad. I know you all hate Joe Buck, but Joe Buck's dad. That's because he hates your team. That's Jack right. Buck, the legend, used to do Monday night football on the radio. And it was awful. Because he just, he was he was old at the time and 
I was working at KMBR. We're cutting up the tape, and you're looking for it was a Niner game. It was Monday night. We had the Niner show after the game because KGO had the rights, so we were ambushing them with uh, a show on KMBR. So as soon as the kickoff was over, they would stay with Joe Starkey and and their their highly sponsored post game show back in the day. It's hard to believe people used to pay huge amounts for the rights for football, for radio, radio. When everybody's sitting at home watching the game, now I know there's people driving around, but I mean, but we would we would ambush them and hey, game's over, call us. You can't call them, call us. But I'll never get his Monday Night Football and Jack Buck and his call of this huge play in this game at Candlestick. Young, looking, looking, throws to Jones, touchdown 49ers. It's like, what? That's it? Economy of words. And then, but but the play is, if you're watching it, Steve Young, he's moving all around. He comes out to his left, slings it turn the side, avoids the tackle, Brent Jones in the back. of the, It's this incredible play. Young, looking, looking, Jones touchdown. <laughs> Thanks, guy. What a great call. I'm excited about the show today. Jim Duquette, do you have his loafers ready? We need Gucci loafers by Nashville. We can get them. I told you they're on Amazon. All right. Well, the knockoff ones. We're going to let them know. We're bringing them something to Nashville. Sorry, Farron. Nothing for you. This is the funniest thing that I've seen in a while. So I'm looking in the notes today. Our friend just saw him recently at the A's Hall of Fame ceremony. A's Hall of Famer, Baseball Hall of Famer, Tony LaRussa. Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune writes, Tony LaRussa 3.0 is the sequel you didn't know you needed. Every trilogy needs an ending to tie up all the loose ends. So the return of LaRussa to the Chicago White Sox as advisor, consultant, resident sage, or whatever the title prefers was probably inevitable. Let me read that again. Consultant, resident sage, or whatever title the team prefers was probably inevitable. Now LaRussa 3.0 has a chance to help reshape the team's future as Sox fans shudder in disbelief. (laughs) See? There's still real journalism. There's still real artists, newspapermen. We just don't have them in the Bay Area. Our whole media has died in the Bay Area. California, I think the LA Times still has a little bit. But it's sad. Our sports, our papers are basically all dead. We don't really do columnists. And, I mean, they still do this in Chicago and New York. It's unfortunate that our kids growing up who are sports fans in the Bay Area will never know this. What it was like to have people who are true beat writers who cover the team there every day, all day long covering it. Columnists that show up to games every game and give you opinion pieces with humor and satire and everything who actually go to the games, right? Now, we got in, We got to a point to where our, our columnists still went to football games, 
or let's say Niner games. They don't always go to Raider games. Warriors got hot. They'd go to some games. Giants got hot. They'd go to some games. These guys in the real markets, they're there at Yankee Stadium. They're there in Chicago. They're at Wrigley. They're at Guaranteed Rate Field. They're at Shea. They're really there. They go to the games. They talk to the players. They're a part of it. They're not sitting back, never talk to anybody. No one ever sees them like what became of our media market. So, you know what? Good on you, Paul Sullivan. That's funny. My favorite was always uh, anytime the Sharks were in the postseason, you never saw any of the columnists there. Then all of a sudden, they're all – Stanley Cup, they're all there. All the radio guys, they're all they're all big big hockey guys and hockey gals yeah. when the uh, play. Our media is a fraud. It always has been. So that's when they even comment on, on what's going on with us. You look around and go, you're a fraud. You're just trying to get some type – I mean, you're now all just trying to get some type of click – you know, because you put your story out on Twitter, excuse me, X, and you want people to click on it, and you want, I mean, that's, it's about numbers. You don't really care. If you would have cared, you would have been around this for, you don't care. You're just, you're just, you're hopping on the hot thing like the Sharks. Let's go to a Sharks game. Go up to the press box. Anybody there? Besides the three people to cover the team, no. But you put them in the playoffs in the Stanley Cup, now everybody's there. Well, these true columnists, they're there throughout the year for the sports. Even if the Bulls suck, they're going to be there. Blackhawks suck, they're going to be there. Because it's your job. They're all going to be there for the Blackhawks now because they have Connor Bedard, the number one pick. In the next Could be the next big thing. I'm not saying next Gretzky, but everyone's going to be at their first game. Well, now the Sox aren't any good, and who knows about the Cubs. Can you imagine if you're a fan of a team – you just went through a horrific period, and you're entering even a, a, a continued journey of awful. Tony LaRusso was just a part of it. If you are a Chicago fan, Tony LaRusso does nothing for you. I don't think he'd do anything for us. Like, None of uh, the majority of the people that are around this, you don't even really remember Tony as the manager of the A's. An old manager for you is going to be Art Howe. Some of us remember Tony, but a lot of you wouldn't. And I think we kind of forget that in sports, that the timeline, the machine moves on. Like, you're still talking about, yeah, man, when this guy was here in the 80s. The 80s? What year were you born? 88. Yeah, you never saw Tony La Russa as the manager of the A's. So what the hell would it, I mean, and, and I got to think, you're a White Sox fan. How old do you have to be to really remember Tony La Russa as the manager of the White Sox the first time around? That would be a 1979 Tony was the manager. And what year did he get fired? 1986. Yeah. I was a freshman in high school. I don't really. I mean. He gets fired with the White Sox and comes and manages the A's the same year. <laughs> we didn't have MLB Network. MLB.com Sport, wasn't a thing. Sports Center wasn't. I mean, who even remembers Tony La Russa managing the White Sox, really? I mean, yeah, I remember it, but I don't remember going, hey, Tony La Russa is the manager of the White Sox, and I was a, and I was a preteen. So, then you bring him back, 
you resurrect him out of retirement. It falls apart. And now you're a White Sox fan, and you're like, we're bringing this guy back again? And he's going to consult us on what? We're going to really, we're going to bend. What is Tony La Russa, no offense, ever built? Was he a great manager for his time? No doubt. But he went down to Arizona. That didn't work out. He's been with Boston. He's been with Anaheim. Like, (laughs) I'm just trying to think if I'm a White Sox fan. Like, why? Why would you bring this guy in? Because he was a great manager years ago to build a modern-day baseball team? Not saying that guys who are older, but Tony's just not like in his 60s older. Tony's dealt with health issues. Tony's, what, 78? My God, what are you doing? You're going to bring a 78-year-old who just failed as your manager and now bring him back? I mean, really, is Reinstorf relationship this good with him? They're that close? That it. I don't know. Maybe I'm but, may, maybe I'm completely wrong and off base. I'm just saying, if it's my business and I'm running the business, I'm not bringing seventy-eight year old because you might say don't overplay it. It's not that big of it. No, Reinsdorf really trusts Tony Larusa. You just fired your front office that you've had forever. And you're bringing Tony back in the building, and, like, the immediate reaction was the fan base was, no, what are you doing? Adam. Am I completely off base? No. Did you like the thing I sent you the other – was it this morning from the, you know, people take the money ball scene with Billy and – Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. he goes, Billy, this is, uh, this is Chris Getz. He's one of the most young, exec- best, uh, brightest executives in the, in, the, uh, in the game. His defect, he's worked for the White Sox and Royals. Something we got to get in. Are we doing Jim Duquette right here? Yeah. Let me give him, get ready to give him a call. Uh, Bob, Cla- Bob Clappish, who's covered the Yankees for years, checked in with Billy Bean on Brian Cashman. And it's a fascinating look at, you know, people are starting to wonder, Brian Cashman all these years at the head because – Bean got the gig. Are you calling him right now? So Bean got the gig in 97. Cashman got it in 98. They were the two longest baseball executives. And now, all these years later, to have Bob Clappish talk with Billy Bean about Brian Cashman's job, it's a pretty fascinating read. And, of course, Bean is like, if you're being critical of cash and don't understand, like, you guys are crazy. Jim, are you there? What's up, guys? How are we doing? Uh, we're doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. I was just talking about how Power Alley's the best show on Sirius XM. No offense to all the other <laughs> shows, but your show by far yes. is the best. So so you, you have Mets pregame on TV tonight, right? I do. I do. Um yeah, it's uh, 
First off, thanks for having me on. I got, uh, yeah, we have um, Otani in town. I know you yeah. guys have seen a, a little bit of him over the years. <laughs> yeah, a little He's bit. He's a pretty good player. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk a little Otani today. Nothing like there's uh, no real important news or anything that happened over the last 48 hours for Otani either. So, yeah, we've got plenty to talk about today. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a shame because of the injury, obviously. But uh, uh, other than that, uh, yeah, everything's been, uh, everything's been going well. And uh, just looking forward to the series, actually. I'm glad you bring it up because, yeah, we know a lot about it, and we, we know a lot about the, the business aspect of it. And I think it's really tough when they take someone like you and they say, well, you're in a GM, what would you offer them? And I try and go, wait a minute, you don't understand. What this guy makes you financially from international money, domestic money, the return on investment, it's far more than, well, can he pitch? Can he not pitch? Can he hit? He's he's more valuable than just a player when you talk about stats. There's like a lot of people you're going to have to bring in if he's going to sign somewhere else to figure out the years, the contract, and what he's going to bring to an organization. And I got to think for someone like yourself, it's hard to explain just the true business aspect of what an Otani deal will look like. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. It, these type of decisions, when, especially when you're spending this kind of money, and you know there aren't many players that are getting this type. So when you do it, um, you really do need to include the business side in the in the equation because there are going to be what we call you know the offsets from from you know the the salary itself. So you know I saw an article recently that. Um, Otani generated about $40 million per year in revenues to the team. Now, I don't know if that's accurate. I haven't seen the numbers, but it seems logical when you look at, you know, all the advertising, the attention, uh, the ratings of the, when he pitches or when he's playing each night. I mean, the only, the only game in Japan that's broadcast these days is when Otani's playing. And interestingly, you know, Kodai Senga with the Mets is having a great year as a rookie pitcher. Um, it's going to be in the mix for rookie of the year. And none of his games are broadcast except for the one tonight because <laughs> he's pitching against Otani. So, you know, it's like, so he's generating that type of interest. Uh, you know, the, the attendance spike when he's on the mound, the promotions that they have each, each time that, they have them there um, at the Angels Ballpark. So there's all of these revenue streams that are attached to, you know, Tim. Uh, so that, that for me, helps you justify paying him what you're going to end up having to pay him. Now with the injury, the dynamic has completely changed. And I just wonder, we all thought he was leaving Anaheim. Does Anaheim now get back in it based off – He's going to probably not pitch in 2024. I don't know if surgery is going to be, but all of a sudden the doctors that you know, the trust factor, the trainers, where you feel comfortable. I mean, it's tough to really make a huge change when you have a big-time injury like this. I, I, we don't know how it will play out, but do you think there's a better chance now than before the injury that he could be back with the Angels because of the injury? So I, I think that it is a greater chance of him staying there. And I'll, I'll tell you why. First, um, you know, he, he probably you know, was going to get between 500 and 600 million this year if he, if he was healthy. Um, and I think there was going to be multiple suitors there. I think that was going to give um, 
you know, other some other teams that are willing to go to that number a better chance just because there are teams that are, you know, in the postseason mix every single year like the Dodgers or the conversation like the Yankees or the Giants and, you know, the trending in the right direction. Like there's, you know, multiple teams that have had way a lot more success than the Angels you know, during the Otani period, never mind the, the Trout the trout period. So, so you start there. If, if in fact he, you know, that's a big factor, like he said, he wants to win. So, so you go, okay, who, who has the money to pay that kind of the dough and win? There's not many of them. Right. But now, now with this injury, teams aren't going to be looking at him as a starting pitcher during that whole period of time, 10 years or whatever. So the number comes down. I think the numbers comes down by about 150 million at least. So let's just, Take take that math, right? Take that math and say it's you know the number's four hundred instead of five fifty. You know, there's more teams that are involved with that. But what if the Angels came back and said, you know what? We'll pay you five hundred or five fifty. We know what your value is. We have the inside track on what those dollars economically look like. And yes, we're gonna hey, we went all in this year and we're gonna go all in, you know, the next couple of years and and by the way, we're the highest bidder by a hundred million dollars. Does Otani turn that down? Does the agent turn that down? Boy, that's hard to believe. My my partner today on my show, Jim Bowden, former GM, he thinks he that Otani turns that down because four hundred million is so much money, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know if he turns that down. That is a big difference. If if in fact, you know, the Angels were were willing to go to that number. Every Sunday morning, I listen to your guys' show, as Dallas Braden called it, Jim Squared. I love listening to yeah. you guys. I wish it was on video because Bowden says some crazy stuff. I'd like to see your reaction to some of the things he says. So, well, when we're on Zoom that way, and I think he's doing it now to get my reaction because yeah. there are times where he asks a question to a GM, and I – I just start laughing yeah. into my hand over my mouth or over my eyes just because of it. like he just asked he asked you know the questions which need to be asked but he says it in such a way like I'll give you an example he had Mike Chernoff on uh when after the trade deadline when they traded for Noah Syndergaard and they gave up Ahmed Rosario and he tells the GM right on the air hey I thought that was the most boring trade that I called it the ambient trade at the trade deadline both sides most boring uh, uh, trade that I've that I've seen this year. Now, how, I, <laughs> the GM thinks he got a better player, got got a good player that's going to contribute, and he's got he's got Bowden telling him is like the bo- most boring thing ever. So, like he'll say things like that all the time, and <laughs> and he gets away with it because hey, he was a GM for 15 years. Hey, your trades suck. Your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, he pretty much goes. He almost always goes there. Not, 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 not quite like that, but pretty close. Let, let's let's stay in New York because Bob Clappish, who I'm sure you're dealt with, did an interview with Billy Bean. Of course, Billy Bean and Cashman have been buddies since the 90s. Yep. So, obviously, Bean was going to back Cashman and saying, you're crazy. New York hasn't had the lulls that other teams have had. But I just wonder where we are in in baseball in 2023. Because growing up and all of us in baseball for all these years and well before we were born, the Yankees always had the power of the purse. They always had the power to outspend everybody. Now in baseball, everybody's got money. Everybody. I mean, the Padres showed you that, right? The Mets now with Steve Cohen. I mean, Philly's spending money. Seattle, Houston. 
Texas, San Francisco, uh, both teams in Los Angeles and Southern California. Everybody's got money. Plus, we have a soft cap with these luxury taxes. The Yankees just don't have that power. I mean, Steve Cohen could buy the Steinbrenners three times over. So it's like the Yankees' right. power that we always thought and we saw those years, they don't have what they used to have. And if you're not developing and you can't outspend it, everybody, how much has the model for the Yankees now changed? Well, I, I think they've tried to, you know, along the way, uh, you know, keep up or – stay ahead of the curve or at least stay up with the curve yeah, as best they can. And they've gone, they've been very analytically driven here over the last couple of years. And I think it's bitten them, um, you know, a little bit, but I mean, the results, again, it's hard to win in, in the league. Once you get to the postseason, there's a lot of factors on whether you win the world series or not. They've been in the postseason for almost every single year during this stretch. Um, and they've been over 500, was it, since 1992, right? So uh, it's unprecedented success for any team, regardless of how much money you have to spend. And this is going to be the first year that they're below 500, so it's brought a lot of scrutiny on Brian Cashman and his uh, philosophies, his management style, some of his selections. But I think the primary issue for me when I look at the Yankees are they haven't kept up when it comes to drafting and developing their own. That's the bottom line, and that's how teams, you know, turn things around. They they have to do, be able to do both. Um, some of those large market clubs, they can't just spend it all like we just saw with the Mets. That didn't work, right? So so you can't chase you can't chase these championships with the dollars. You better have a well-balanced uh, uh, roster, and they have had far few uh, successes when it comes to their farm system. And you can't just blame the fact that they've been picking, you know, in the later parts of the first round because there's other teams like the, like the Rays that have had success picking down there in the bottom round. So um, they're going to have a, a big – it's been a disaster, as Brian Cashman said, of the, of the season. And they have a lot of, of uh, answers that they have to give to their owner, um, you know, starting – whenever they have their meeting. They had a meeting recently, and they're going to continue to have meetings all the way through the end of the season to see how they can fix this. All right, just two more. We look at the AL West, super competitive now. I mean, unbelievable. If the, if the Rangers lose tonight, either Houston or Seattle wins, it'll be the first time the Rangers are now tied in first place since May. Jerry DePoto, somebody you bring on the front office show all the time. He's got Seattle mm-hmm. running hot once again. What are you making of this really exciting race in the AL West? Uh, boy, I tell you, you know, it's, it, the Rangers. There's two ways, two different ways to look at their at where they are right now, right? This this latest stretch, they've lost seven in a row. It's kind of remarkable they've been able to hold on to first place still, right? So uh, that's the 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 glass half full uh, half empty is man you're you're in the middle of a seven game losing streak at the worst time of the season at the end of august going into september this is not how you want to you know uh, kind of march into that last month of the of the regular season so i don't know texas is is uh their schedule gets a little bit weaker i think after this weekend for at least a couple series i believe um, so it's something that, you know, a lot of times the, the, the weakness or strength of your schedule matters down the stretch and who you're playing, right, at what time and 
And so I think that's something to kind of keep an eye on. And, you know, Houston hasn't been playing all that well either. The team that's got the momentum is Seattle. They've been, uh, you know, pouring on it kind of like what we saw last year, except, you know, Houston had that huge lead. I, I would not um, discount Seattle for this division title right now. Let's end on this. If you – and this is going to be about the A's, which obviously we know is a really tough situation. And I want you to look at this as like an advisor. If you were brought sure. in as an advisor, what advice would you give right now to David Forrest and his staff? Uh, ahead of going to Vegas or going into Vegas, I mean, listen, I, I'm going to take, until we see otherwise, I'm going to take, you know, Dave Cavill and their owner, John Fisher, at their word that there is going to be money to spend when the when the shovels go in the ground. They were talking about that, you know, when the – when the stadium was, um, you know, going to be built at Howard Terminal, you know, during the Olsen and and uh, Chapman period, and you know, I I felt like they were being truthful there, you know. Now because that didn't happen, I understand there's some skepticism out there, but um, I think, and I, I honestly think the best the best question for for them is, um, you know, how much money do you expect to spend? What you know, what does that look like? And if, if I'm David Force, I'm trying to get as many young players controllable players as i can even next year get a couple of like we saw with the nationals the nationals went outside of candle candelario and and they had a, a couple of relievers that, that they you know traded at the deadline and get some more you know prospects back and be ready to uh, be nimble so that you can fill in with free agents beyond that because i think that's that's the next best age team will be a combination of of both, but mostly it's still going to be uh, homegrown talent. And I think that's that's their way out of it. That's the best way to do it long term. And I think they can, um, you know, they'll be able to afford some of those top talented players. Maybe Geloff is, is part of that equation, right? Maybe maybe they're, maybe Langoliers is part of that. Like they have some good quality talent that you, I think control uh for the for the long term but you're going to have to keep an eye on that over the next couple of years well i'm not sure how your back holds up because you carry farron i mean i'm a loyal listener you carry that guy every day every day i'm glad you recognize that uh i've been saying it for years but you know we'll we'll continue and farron by the way on vacation of course the last couple days i mean he's the only one who gets vacation you're like Carl Malone. You're the mailman. You're delivering every day, and he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> he thinks he's Stockton. I don't know about that. <laughs> and and for every like <laughs> your guys' show on Sunday morning for for us true baseball fans and who love the inside of the game. Uh, that's why I always promote yeah. SiriusXM. Your guys' show that you guys do with all the power brokers in the game is great. So thank you so much. You know, we yeah, always appreciate, appreciate it. it. And uh, we will be listening. We'll keep promoting SiriusXM. And just know this, we will have a present for you at the winter meetings. <laughs> all right. I will, look, I will look forward to it. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again in uh, in person like we did this spring. Always great, Jim. Take care. All right. See you. See you guys. Bye. Jim Duquette, former GM. Now, he will be GM again. Once you get the inside of the inside, you just got to get some kids out of the house. Right now, you got the really cushy media job. We don't have that cushy media job yet. But the cushy media job, 
I mean, you're you're really one of the stars of Sirius XM baseball channel, doing TV for the Mets. Everything's pretty easy. But when kid's gone, he'll get back into the game. So we got to enjoy him while we got him because he'll be back. There, People are always trying to get him to come back into the game. But he is one of the great minds. Um, I mean, he had to deal. Think about this. He had to deal with the Will Ponds. He was dealing with the Will Ponds and the Ponzi scheme. And, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. What, it wasn't him. It was Steve Phillips assigned the, the Benia contract, right? If I'm not mistaken. That contract was so long ago. Bobby Bonilla? I think Bobby I, Bonilla and the Mets? What the hell year was that? That was in the 90s. Was that even Steve Phillips? Will, Fred Wilpon and then GM Steve Phillips worked out a deal. Bonilla agreed to defer the $5.9 million payment and spread it out over a 25-year span. The Mets would, would bring him back. What year? With interest. Uh, let's see. That was a long, long time ago. Um, last payments in 2035 that he signed back in 1992. That's what I was about to say. Benia's in his <laughs> – it's Benia. How old is Bobby Bone now? Because this pays him till he's like 72, 73. I think it's 70. He'll be 73. Bobby Benia's 60. 60? He's still got 13 more years. <laughs> 92. I was at San Jose State. You ready for this weekend? Huh? Getting on the bird tomorrow, heading down to LAX. Actually, I'm flying into Burbank. Oh, aren't you doing Burbank? Flying into Burbank, being picked up onto the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, where my Spartans will be taking on USC. LAX Sunday morning, back A's White Sox. I'll be back for the, the, the final game, the sweep of your Chai Sox. Southsiders. We're laying low on that right now. By the way, the count for the first day between TV and radio would blow your mind. If you know the game that we're playing, whenever we show up to Chicago, it'll blow your mind how how much that was said. TV and radio, A's broadcast in one day. Blow your mind. You would think that was actually the name of the city. Uh, Leave it at that. Leave it at that. San Jose State, Saturday at USC. I will be there. We've got a major crew. What is the spread? When I last looked, it was 30 and a half. No problem. No problem. Could be the second greatest upset in history. It's going to be the greatest. Who would be greater? Stanford over USC. The line was way better. No, 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 no. Why would that be better? The line was 40. They were 40. They're in conference together. We're not in their conference. I know. We're not a Pac-12 school. I know. I know. I can understand, but I'm saying it was a four. They were 41 point. Who cares? Underdog. They're a Pac. That's a, that's an inner conference. They have Pac-12 money back then. Jim Harbaugh, who was getting the, to show you how ridiculous that argument is. Who was winning the Sears Trophy as the best athletic department in all of college foot, uh, all of college sports? Probably Stanford. Yes. So the the best athletic department in all of college sports wins a football game, and that's a bigger upset than San Jose State beating USC? What about Appalachian State over Michigan? Michigan wasn't that good. Weren't they number two in the country? They were not number two. When they, mm, they were, they Check were. the tape. 
Number two in the country? There's a reason why Harbaugh got there. They weren't number two. This is back in like 2007, though. This is way before Harbaugh. I'm uh, saying there's a reason why I got They got as high that year as 13. Get out of here. You don't even know what you're talking about. This is USC. Lincoln Riley, the Heisman Trophy winner. The Heisman Trophy winner. And you're trying to say this wouldn't be the biggest college football upset. I don't know why I'm screaming at you, but I'm just getting psyched up for yeah, the no. game. The Wolverines entered the game ranked number five. You said two. Still top five. You said two. Did okay. they have a Heisman Trophy winner? Uh, Did they have the Heisman Trophy winner? I don't think so. No. Was that Denard Robinson who was their quarterback then? How can you say San Jose State going into USC, facing Lincoln Riley, the Trojans, and the defending Heisman Trophy winner wouldn't be the biggest upset. I'm just going off the points, Red. That's all. So you don't have any facts. You don't have any knowledge. You're just going off what some honk in Vegas put out there. <laughs> that, If you're admitting that, I'm fine with that. <laughs> oh, I know how good USC is. I- what, what, what is what's SC ranked? Uh, six. In what poll? I don't know. San Jose State schedule says six. I'm sure AP. Uh. So we we said to go over a schedule. Here's the schedule for them. Win at USC. Win home against number 18 Oregon State. Win at home versus Cal Poly. Okay, that's a win. Uh, at Toledo, total win versus Air Force. Oof. Win at Boise. Win. We were, we went to that stadium. Uh, at New Mexico. By the way, Boise Stadium's legit. Yeah, it's uh, Albert, uh, was Albertson Stadium. It was great. I loved it there. Uh, New Mex at New Mexico. Win. Uh, home versus Utah State. Homecoming win. At Hawaii. Win. Home versus Fresno. We're going to beat those dirtbags easy. Then uh, home against San Diego State. Win. I'm running out of fingers. That's 11. On the road at UNLV. 12. 12 and 0. Mountain West champs, 13 and 0. <laughs> My God, it's almost an NFL season. <laughs> if you're going to win the Mountain West, you'll play in 13 games. Yeah. So it's a lot of uh, what the SEC is like that now. That's thirteen well, games. A lot and of them then, play conference. Hot, and then you're going to play the bowl game. That's fourteen. That's a four. That's what the NFL used to be. Fourteen games. What did Georgia go last year? They go fourteen. That's where OJ Simpson rushed for two thousand yards in fourteen games. That's why the the juice. I know you can't talk about the juice anymore. Did you see the video I sent you of him getting mad that Andrew he drafted Andrew Luck and he retired ninety minutes later in fantasy. <laughs> but. 2,000 yards in 14 games is incredible. Georgia went 15-1 and one in 2021. <laughs> That's an NFL schedule, minus the preseason. And then they went 15 – were they 15-0? They were 15-0 last year. At least we got away with their student-athletes. At least we now all know that's just a bunch of crap. Over the last two years, At least Georgia. we don't have to pretend that, right? Th- that, that was the thing. When you'd have these old guys in suits who work for the NCAA who are like – we give these guys scholarships. We pay for their school. We pay for their books. We give them some money for housing. That's an honor. Meanwhile, you're not putting these kids in classes to graduate. You're just putting them in classes to be eligible. It was a whole, the whole thing between college basketball and college football was such a joke. It should have been investigated years ago. At least now they're all telling you, oh, it re- oh, sorry, really is all about money. We really don't care about these kids. I'm trying to see what the we- what the schedule is tomorrow for college football. Do you, do you still believe they care about these kids' education? No, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they ever did. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
All right, here's the games tomorrow for if you're a college football oh, week zero fan. Hey, road trip Mike, great A's fan who calls in. Remember, you can call in at 833-625-2278. Is Robert Costa there right now? Can you call in right now and talk yeah, to him? Robert's there, yeah. 833-625-2278. Road trip Mike, great A's fan, travels all around the country with the A's. He's there in Dublin, Ireland. It's Navy Notre Dame. How yeah. awesome would that be? Yeah, the game's on NBC and Peacock, number 13, Notre Dame, like technically hosting Navy. Uh, then you got UTEP at Jacksonville State. Then you got the primetime ESPN game, UMass at New Mexico State. <laughs> what's, what, what's SC San Jose State? Are we Pac-12? Pac-12 network. So On Apple? So half people can't watch it. On Apple? Uh, Ohio at San Diego you have State. Have Apple TV to watch uh, I think it's on. I think it's on Xfinity, right? We did taps the other day for some yeah. of the teams. We could do taps for the Pac-12 network. Uh, just, um, I think I have it still. Let me see. No, I don't know. Right. Um, well, let me go. Uh, Ohio at San Diego State. Hawaii at Vandy. Oh, that's a long flight for Hawaii. Uh, San Jose State, USC. Oh, my God. That is. FIU at Law Tech. That's Louisiana Tech. Nashville from Hawaii to Nat from Honolulu. Honolulu International to Vanderbilt, dude. That's got to be like twelve hours. Plus, that's five. They're, remember, that's they're five hours ahead of Hawaii because right, Hawaii story is behind us, and that and Central Time Zone two hours ahead of us. Who did that booking? I, I hope Vandy's paying them out. Hope they're getting a big payout. Do that. How long is Honolulu? I'm gonna say eleven hours. Twelve, maybe a little much. It's got to be like because it's what five and a half to here. Third, uh, 10 hours and 37 minutes. Yeah. So, so we'll round up to 11. Oh, it's 11 going back because you're going against the wind going back. Yeah, that's still a long flight. So oh. there's your college football schedule tomorrow. Yeah, it's all about the kids in their school. We're going to put them on a, almost an 11 hour. So think about that. You got to get to the flight early. You got to load the plane. You got to get the kids on the flight. You got to fly all the way to Nashville. You got to have the buses ready. You got a bus to the hotel. You're literally going to travel for 12 and a half hours for a college football game. That's a winnable game for them, though. No chance. I mean, I know they play in the SEC. No but, chance. But Hawaii, uh, no chance. Let's see if Timmy Chang and the uh, Rainbow Warriors can pull it away. No chance. Uh, wanted to get into, before we get to Jesse Rogers, uh, I'll just give you a couple. Of, do you want some A's stuff, then Yankee or Yankee, then A's? Let's go A's. Okay. I was going to say break, but pay some bills. Okay. Coming up next, have you followed this month? That's all I'm going to say. Two things that you really should be paying attention to, not name Shea Langoliers. I'm very happy for Shea. I love Shea. Somebody on this show was a bozo and said he should be a 2020 guy in spring training. If you drew the line between us, one of us said that. Shea laughed. I kept hearing about how great his speed was. Ah, but Fran told us he's a great runner. I'm really happy for him. And he's got that look. We talked to him the other day off the air. He came by because that's the cool thing about Ace Cast Live. This show, we're right there next to the dugout. So he came by, and he's like, yeah, I'm feeling really good. 
He's hitting them in bunches, four and five days. I'm not going to be shocked if he ends up with 20. By the way, Sean Murphy never had 20 home runs with the A's, and he played in 148 games last year. 148, he had 18. What's he at now? What does it matter? I think he's at 17. Yeah. He's only played 90 games. Now, I know they got a rotation going there, but it's a different lineup. I mean, here you've got to be the man. And Atlanta, you got to be one of the guys. Yeah, you're That's a big difference. When you're like, you got to be the man and carry this thing versus I'm just going to get a ton of pitches because this thing's so deep. It's a totally different lineup to hit in. I think Langoliers hits more than 18. I'm gonna look up, I think Langoliers is going to get 20. I'm going to look up the all-time leaders in Oakland history catching-wise. I know. I think Steinbach Can you do that. that during the break? Yeah, I can do that. This is my, me and my computer. How many A's have hit 20 bombs as a catcher? Well, Steinbach's one comes to mind. That's the only one I can think of. Does Kurt ever do that? Suzuki? I don't. Mm, he wasn't really a big power hitter. No, he had some power years. We'll look it up during the break. All right. So, Langoliers, we've already gone over that. Excited right now for his finish. What I want to get into, two players... One, you're really noticing what's going on that needs to be highlighted. The other, I'm not sure everybody's paying attention, but you should be. Next, right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the A's Road Studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty. High school football starts tonight. Oh, you have a game, right? Yeah. I don't have a game. Well, you have a my kids will be cheering at a game tonight. Their senior year starts tonight. Is it a far – how far is the – it's a road game, right? It's a road game. I do not know what high school they are playing at, so I don't know. Hopefully it's close. I mean, it, I mean is it really going to be that far away? Probably not. Uh, San Jose is a big place. I can tell you right now who they're playing. Do not say who they're playing. Okay. Well, no, I'm just going to – so you know. Okay. Well, don't – don't. Don't say. All right. Uh, Terry Steinbach, Gene Tennis, Ramon Hernandez. Those are the three catchers. But you had to play X amount of game. We we put a governor on it. We did not do that because Jimmy Fox hit 36, yeah. and I'm not sure he really caught that many games. So we qualified it with at least 75% of your games, a catcher. Yeah. And the three guys that do it in Oakland, Terry Steinbach hit 35 in 1996. Gene Tennis hit 29 in 1975, and Ramon Hernandez hit 21 in 2003. The other two guys to do it were in Philadelphia. All right. Are you a small sample saying guy? Um, are you one of those guys? That's a small sample size. Small sample. Small sample size. Not always, no. Well, I think you either are or you aren't. Because I'm with you. When is it not a small sample size anymore? 
No one has that. I can't, I can't find that definition. <laughs> I can't go into my analytics handbook and find out when it's not a small sample size. No one's provided a definition. Everybody loves to be the Debbie Downer and tell you, small sample size. It's a small sample size. When's it not a small sample size? I love asking people that because all of a sudden they just go, I don't know. Well, if you're going to rain on my parade, you need to be able to tell me when it's not going to rain anymore. Fair. Is that fair? So you got all these guys that have spent years now. I don't know when small sample size. I mean, to me, we're not a bunch of chemists. When did small sample size become this thing that we all want to throw? It's a small sample size. Well, at some point, everybody started using it, right? Everybody hops on board as we say, you're going chalk. And now I'm coming up with a new version going, well, give me an answer when it's not. Because you want to call Zach Geloff small sample size? Whatever. He's got to play in games to have numbers in August 346, 1,103 OPS, seven dingers, 13 RBIs. That's August. Small sample size. Okay, when is it not? Tell me when I can say Zach Geloff is not small sample size. This kid is badass. When can I do that? We don't have the definition. We don't know. So you guys are just going to throw this thing out here and not have an answer. You're going to throw out the question because isn't small sample size still questioning? Yeah. Well, how many how many bats did he have? Because someone could go, well, you know, once he gets to 300 or bats, that's not a small sample size. Okay. Then that's an answer. Yeah. I'm just, I'll right? Give you that. To all you sabermetricians who love to – because when you say small sample size, you're saying it hasn't gone long enough for me to say what I'm seeing is real. He's had 136 at-bats. Okay, so you're questioning. When you say small sample size, I still have questions. Okay, well, tell me, what do you need to have the answer? What is it? Is it games? What At-bats? Years? What is it? Technically, it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is what have you done in the games you've played in, right? Tiger Woods shows up at his first golf tournament. You know what he did? One. He won. Small sample size? I don't know. He won. Kind of a good indicator. He might be pretty good. Well, Zach Geloff is showing you he's pretty damn good. I don't make all that much about the fastest player to reach 10 home runs, even though it's cool that you beat Mark McGuire, who should be in the Hall of Fame. A's Hall of Famer Mark McGuire. He uh, took him 41 games. But I just, to me, the all-around play, what we talked to Mark Kotze about, the it factor, leadership. Lawrence Butler talked about it. Lawrence Butler talked about him being a leader. Lawrence Butler talked about how this guy just has the it factor. Like, you can't, you can't teach it. Like, you either, are, you either are this guy that walks out on the field and goes, I'm the dude. We saw it on that one pop-up. Where Jordan Diaz is like, oh, my God, it's the balls. And Nick Allen's running in. Ah. He comes in and goes, Whoosh, I got it. He's a second baseman. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. It's the little things that I see. It was a pop-up, first inning, the le- on the left side of the infield. 
J.P. Sears is looking up, and you could see, go back to the highlight. He's like looking around going, are you guys going to call this? Do I have to get it? And Diaz and Allen's running in, and Diaz, it's Jordan Diaz's ball. And Jordan Diaz is, he is what he is. And Geloff has to come all the way from second base to run in like this. He runs and goes, whack, I got it. Get out of the way, you morons, I got it. He's the dude. You got to have the dude. It's like J-Rod up in, uh, in Seattle. Julio Rodriguez is the guy. We saw that really early. Young player, you see it. You see how they walk around. You see how batting practice goes, how they interact with their guy. He's the guy. You saw that, right? Mike Trout. When Mike Trout first showed up to Oakland, do you remember that? A little stock. I'm not going to say he's a little guy, but a stocky guy. It's like a pit bull going around and just hitting lasers everywhere. And robbing home runs. and I mean, everything Trout did, you're like, damn, this guy can play. I never saw young Barry Bonds. That was, I mean, that was in the 80s. I saw him from afar. But, you know, when Barry Bonds walked onto a field, by the time I'm covering sports and the Giants, when Barry Bonds walked out on the field, he's Barry effing Bonds and everybody knows it. Geloff's not there yet. I'm like when Mark McGuire, Conseco, those guys walked down on the field. It's like, damn. Ricky was older by the time I covered him. He was the best, though. Geloff's got it. Like, you notice it. When he walks out, you notice it. Matt Chapman had it. Matt Chapman, when Matt Chapman walked out, the dude has walked out. This is the leader. He is the guy. Even though really deep down Marcus Simeon was the glue Marcus Simeon is such a good person. They, and I know he's in a little bit of a struggle right now, but Marcus is such a great guy, and you root for him. Um, but Geloff's got that. So that's something that, you know, beyond the numbers, we could do a segment. They, somebody does a segment. Has ESPN does that? I'm beyond the numbers. When you go beyond what just numbers say, what does somebody mean? What does a guy mean to an organization? Right? I'll, I'll give you a guy who's beyond the numbers. When Randy Johnson came walking in in Arizona the day he pitched, Bob Melvin will tell you no one would even look at him. He's 6'10", he's angry, he's coming in, and everybody knows we're winning today. <laughs> right? The dude has entered the building. He's 6'10", he throws 100 miles an hour, his slider goes like that. I mean, it was like Randy Johnson's on the mound. He can throw a perfect game, a no-hitter. We are winning today. Randy Johnson's here. That's what it was like, especially I mentioned Arizona sweat. He went four four straight, Cy Young's or whatever. I mean, he's Randy Johnson. He's future Hall of Famer. The guy has walked in. You love having guys. I mean, you don't think when Joe Montana walked into the room, everybody went, well, we got Joe. One of the greatest conversations I've ever had with my old radio partner, Bill Romanowski, four-time Super Bowl champion. He's like, Tony, I'm telling you, in San Francisco, we had Joe Montana. You had Steve Young. You win football games. I go to Philadelphia. We had Bubby Brister. <laughs> he goes, then I left, I left Philly. It's a great Steeler backup. I go to Philly. We got John Elway. We win football games. I get to Oakland, 
We got Rich Gannon. We went for when you got the guy, you win games. Right? Steph Curry comes walking into the locker room. He got a shot. LeBron James is here. We're going to win. That's the point, right? Geloff, certain players, like you got this guy. Is Geloff going to be that guy? That's beyond the numbers. I can give you numbers. But what does he mean when he walks in? Do people have – do people feel confidence because of you? Do people gravitate to you? That's what special players do. That's why a guy like Bonds, you hear like you, – you I mean, anybody. Like Richard really does I – mean, he Richie's great talking about Bonds. I mean, Bonds wasn't like the greatest guy to get along. Richie got along with him, but he wasn't the great. But Bonds gave you like, man, we got Bonds. Superberry, I'm talking about. Like when Trout was going good, I mean, you have certain guys, you know they're here. You got chance to win, man. Hopefully, Geloff is becoming that guy. The other one you need to watch, and maybe we need to cut that up uh, a little bit later. Maybe I could put that in the broadcast is – is anybody noticing Ruiz isn't playing? Is anybody picking that up? Not because he got hurt. I mean, Robert Costa was in my ear like, he's because he got hurt. No, no, no. Ruiz isn't playing. I mean, if, if a guy was your future, he's the future center fielder. He's the future leadoff hitter. This is the guy. Would he would he would he wouldn't he be playing? No matter who's pitching. Wouldn't he be playing? I mean, I'm looking at a lineup two straight days, man. You, I'm, there's my lineup. There's my line. I don't see Ruiz. Last six games, 0 for 12, zero walks. The only way he's reached base is hit by pitch. And catcher's interference, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Maybe one of these was a catcher's interference. But, yeah, E2. What do you make of that? He's not playing. Well, I mean, how do you go from or what does it tell you when you're, you go from being the, oh, wow, this is one of the guys we can build around to now Lawrence Butler's up. Much rather watch Lawrence Butler play. Look at Geloff. Now Langoliers is starting to hit. You know, you know. I mean, even Jordan Diaz, not in the lineup again. But I mean, what is Ruiz, who some people were saying should be the all star, is now not even playing. Yeah, he's not gonna get the Kenny Lofton's uh AR rookie record of nope. sixty six either. Where we thought that was gonna be he was gonna break that easily. Pour one out for uh for old uh Kenny Lofton, who, by the way, you could make should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we had that discussion. War's there. Everything's there with him. Arizona Wildcat Hooper, great. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he you can make a really good discussion for him being in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, SC not playing is, uh, I mean, to me it's not surprising, but to a lot of fans it might be because we, we see the routes he takes on balls in the outfield. He's not getting on base. When, when you have the hit tool and you're not hitting. I mean, what 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 are what do you what what else can you do? But if you believed in him, wouldn't you play him through it? You would think so. Or, or I, mean, I always bring it up. My late mother used to say it: "Actions speak louder than words." The actions say, "We're not playing him." Don't give me righty lefty matchup. No, 
Is Geloff playing? Is Geloff playing if there's a – is there a right-handed pitcher on the mound tonight? Dylan Cease, he's right-handed, right? Correct. Is Geloff playing? Yeah. Rooker's playing. Who else is right-handed? Bride. No, you got to have Jonah Bride. In Nick that. Allen. I mean, Jonah Bride. Bangaliers is left Why is Bride not right-handed? leading off? He's the next Ricky Anderson. <laughs> I mean, Jonah Bride has played two straight games, and Jordan Diaz was not. Why is Jordan Diaz not playing? Now, maybe Diaz is banged up. Maybe Ruiz is a little banged up. I don't know. I'm just saying this is valuable time to build for the future, valuable time in games that literally do not matter to get young guys shots, opportunities. As you NBA people like to say, I need my touches. This is a chance to get your touches. You want to be a volume shooter? This is your time to be a volume shooter, and we're sitting them right on the pine. Oh, there'll be a pinch hit opportunity later on. That's not a good sign. I mean, we, we, we thought this guy could be rookie of the year. We thought he could be an all-star. Now he's not even playing. Just something to look at. Um, Jesse Rogers is going to be here. I want to get into this real quick because I thought it was fascinating how – our sport has just changed. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe I should do this after Jesse. Well, we sold the Yankees Billy Bean thing. That's too. what I wanted to get yeah, into. Yeah. So how much time? We, we go long today, right? What time are we going to? We go till three thirty. So you still got another hour plus. Baseball has changed. I kind of went over this with Jim Duquette, and I'll save it. But I just want to plant the seed in your minds. Baseball has changed. And I don't know if the New York offices love it. But it really has changed. The power of the purse, the power of the Northeast, is not what it used to be. The power of the Yankees is not what it used to be. And Billy Bean sticking up for his guy, Brian Cashman. And I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to get way over here. Make sure I don't spill anything. I'm going to get way over here. I'm going to hang out way over here while this guy disagrees and goes against Billy Bean. <laughs> this guy right here is going to go up against Willie Bean, Billy Bean, and I'm going to be like, I may not even be in the shot because I don't even want to be a part of the conversation when you're ripping Billy Bean. I might, wa- I might just get up so I can't. And if Bean's like, you're ripping me, and go, no, I wasn't even in the shot. You can't even – I wasn't even there. There's no proof you could see me there. You ready for that? Yeah. You're going to go against William Bean the third. Yeah, I don't I – don't, that's fine. All right. I don't have the close relationship with Billy like you do. Wow. Oh, yeah, but you're mesmerized when you see him at the stadium. Hey, look, it's Billy. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw, we saw He's like a star to you. <gasps> yeah, I mean, they made a movie about him. That's a fact. <laughs> I, don't see, uh, I don't see Brian Cashman in any movies. Well, yeah, where's your book? Yeah. Yankee Ball. How to Spend Money and Not Win. Oh, wow. Taking shots at Brian Cashman. We, well, it's going to be it's, – it's complicated. Uh some interesting things as we're going to get ready for Jesse Rogers, too. I, I mean, we may or may not have time because right now all the talk is going to be Shohei Otani, and rightfully so. He's, he's 
our first international star player. It's 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 like having a soccer player. He's he's incredible, but he's hurt, which also complicates things. But when you're building your roster, how much can you pay one guy? How much can you pay three guys? Well, you can do whatever the hell you want, but what's healthy? When you talk roster construction, not 25, but 26. You got 26 guys. Like, that's going to be part of my thing with the Yankees. If you brought back the 90, if you fast forward the 99 Yankees, 2000 Yankees to where we are today, and you said, we're going to pay these guys what the market today says, their team's over $400 million. And you can't do that. Like, you literally, we now have, and, and it's obviously it's working, our luxury tax. The collective balance tax, the CBA or CBT, the collective balance tax. It works. Different levels. The more you go over it, the more you get penalized. You lose a ton of money. It changes your draft. It's just, it's not good. That's why you always hear teams talk about they want to get under it. You're going to have David Cohn and Roger Clemens, by the way. That's basically Scherzer DeGrom. That's $80 million right out of the gate. And now you got 24, 24 other slots. Jeter, Posada, Pettit, Bernie, Paul O'Neill. I mean, we go down the line, you're like, Chuck Knobloch. These guys are all guys that are veteran guys that veteran guy, twenty million now is not a big deal to make for veteran good players. Mariano Rivera too. How many? That's yeah. a different deal. Yeah. Like we're not even going. I just got. I gave you two pitchers. Well, actually three. What would Pettit be worth? Pettit's making over twenty. Yeah. Who uh, was El Duque on that staff too? Right. Two thousand had to be. So, yeah. Oh, I did ninety nine. We'll do two thousand. 2000 Yankees won 87 games. Now go to the 99. This is after that's after 98. 98 is the year they won this 114. Is they, no, this is when they get Clemens. All right, so the the pitching staff that year is El Duque, David Cohn, Pettit, Clemens, and um, Hideki Arabu. Hideki Arabu, but he didn't really pitch that much, did he? 27 he to, starts. So how how much is Cone and Clemens are each. I can give you what the average. I took a picture of it yesterday. The average veteran pitcher, star pitcher, is making $40 million. So, Cone and Clemens are giving – that's $80 million right out of the gate. And they're both 36 then, too. So. And Pettit's 27, so now he's making good dough. I mean, this team, you look – we'll get into that. But look at why the A's may not be in such bad in the next couple years. I want you guys to think about this. 48.8. This is right now between Trout, Otani, and Rendon. 48.8%, almost 50% of their payroll is just in these three guys. And there's a chance they'll retain Otani. That goes to more. How about Texas? DeGrom, Seeger, and Simeon alone make up 48.3% of your entire payroll. Three guys. And now you've added Scherzer at $43 million. So well over 50%, and you're not even going to have DeGrom next year. So you're going to have four guys, three playing, make up well over 50% of your entire payroll. You think that's healthy? No. I mean, 
No way. And there's some of the and there's so many bad contracts for veteran guys that are out there right now that we saw in MLB now, and none of those guys, none of those guys are doing anything either. Like, look at Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera. Oh, Miggy, he's an all-time great. He hasn't been an all-time great in a long time. He's making thirty-one million. He alone is twenty-five point four percent of the entire payroll. You don't think they can't wait to get him out of here? They wish he would have retired. Joey Votto, $22.5 million, makes up 27.1% of their entire payroll of the Cincinnati Reds. Can you imagine what they could do with that $22.5 million to help their playoff run with all their exciting players that they have? But they got to pay Joey Votto $22.5. They could have they either kept Luis Castillo or they could have traded for a uh, I think if they kept pitcher. him. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I, you really have to think. And the teams that are smart, think about the Atlanta Braves. Here the Atlanta Braves are. We're talking about how great they are, roster construction, everything that they've done. The Atlanta Braves, 82 and 84, their biggest payroll, Austin Riley at $21.2 million, makes up only 10.4%. Think about that. Best team in the league right now, playoffs, long way to go. But Riley only makes up 10.4% of, of, of what they're doing. Mookie Betts, at his $30.4 million, what do you think he's at? He's making $30.4 million. Well, Freeman makes – Freeman doesn't make as nearly near what he does. He's probably 15%. 13.7. So the threshold is can you get somebody 14 and below? Quickly before we get to Jesse. Do we uh, have Jesse? No, I haven't caught him yet. Um we said, huh, look at all this payroll, huh? What's Trevor May, Aletmus Diaz, who did we throw out? Jace, Jace Peterson. Peterson. And uh, Manny Pena. And Manny Pena, 35 years old. What was their number? Uh, the four of them combined for $22.5 million out of the 57, I round up to $57 million or 56.9 on cost contracts. That rounded out to, if you round up, 40% of the ace payroll. Forty percent of our payroll were those three guys. Four, those four guys. Two of them aren't even here. Wow. By the way, with Jesse, he wrote an article about Cody Bellinger too, but how he rediscovered himself. So, I know you're a big belly guy. Well, in my life, it's a big deal, and we love having Jesse on because uh, not only his national perspective, it's like a perfect time to have Jesse on because we can get his national perspective. And we can get his Chicago perspective. You think he's going to like Tony La Russa 3.0? It's a great question to ask him. Let me make sure he's still good. Let me read that again for you. Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune, longtime columnist, writes, Tony La Russa 3.0 is the sequel. If you don't know, Tony La Russa is back with the White Sox as a whatever he is. Consultant, I believe, is what they're saying. Well, let's just hear what Paul Sullivan says. Tony La Russa 3.0 is the sequel you didn't know you needed. Every trilogy needs an ending to tie up all the loose ends. So the return of La Russa to the Chicago White Sox as advisor, consultant, resident sage, or whatever title the team prefers was probably inevitable. Now La Russa 3.0 has a chance to help reshape the team's future as Sox fans shudder in disbelief. 
I can't. I I I I know how they feel. Like I can't imagine. Like it's one thing if Tony came back and was helping the A's because he's got the street cred here. It's one thing if Tony's going back and helping the St. Louis Cardinals. He's got equity built up. What equity does Tony have built up in Chicago? Not much besides he did have the one year we took him to the postseason and won the division. That's about it, though. When? Two years ago. They won that year? They yeah. won the division? Oh, they yeah. were the division so yeah. bad. But, yeah, remember Scott Merkin said, Isn't, you don't need to rebuild. <laughs> what? Do you think that gives him street cred? Or would he – guy that had one winning season or something like that in the 80s, like that gives you street cred? Yeah. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, remember he said it was the biggest mistake of his life firing him the first time. Well, then you fired him again. Wait, what year did <laughs> or no, they Tony win? Or Tony actually stepped away, didn't he? Wait, what year did they win the division? Oh, uh, 2021. The year after we, we beat them in the yeah. playoffs because they were a wild card team. Yeah, it was the only time in franchise history since 1901 or whenever they started playing that they went back-to-back making the playoffs, 20 and 21. What was their record? They were 90 – I think they won 95 games or something. I don't know. I just – The White Sox that year, I don't, 90, don't re- 93 and 69. I just don't remember that. What did they do in the first round? They played – who did they play? Was it Houston? Um, I think they played – yeah, they lost in the division series to Houston 3-1. Yeah, that was just not really memorable. Oh, okay. Jesse said he's ready now. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's tough sledding in Chicago right now. And just when you're supposed to be the team too. That's the other thing. You're supposed to be the team that can do it, and it's the Cubs who are turning it around. Jesse, Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. It is wonderful to have you back on the program, and it's a perfect time, as I was just talking about, not only all the great work you do nationally, but with the A's in town and all the drama going on in Chicago. It's perfect to have you back on A's Cast Live. Yeah, good to be with you. Yeah, I was at the ballpark yesterday um and uh, it was sparsely attended that game It was 100 degrees here and it was two of the bottom teams in the american league so crowd wasn't big but they still played by the way to butter you up early here in this interview uh not too long ago you were on mlb now you need to get back on that show you did a hell of a job oh thanks i appreciate that happened to be in new york um and and went to the studios there they have some nice studios in new jersey took the the train across the river and all that. And, uh, yeah, it was nice to be in studio. It's always better to be in studio than sitting at home on Zoom. So, it, it, you know what I mean? It's better yeah. chemistry with the people around you. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to be in there. Well, I, I, we've been talking about Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune talking about Tony LaRussa and calling it Tony LaRussa 3.0. Oh, yes, <laughs> it, it's like Friday the 13th, Jason is back. How are you supposed to feel as a White Sox fan 78-year-old Tony LaRusso, who you felt like you just got rid of as a manager, oh, he's back again now as, I guess, a consultant. Yeah, I think he – I was saying, I think he's been in Jerry's ear even before he was manager again while he was retired. He's had Jerry's ear for a long, long time. And so I, I think it's just a little bit more public now that he's kind of back or whatever, and he might have a bigger voice now that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams are gone. But make no mistake, Jerry Reinsdorf has, has been listening to Tony LaRusso for a long time, 
in different capacities and, and then hired him back as manager for a year until health problems took him out of it. It's not for the health problems. He would have been back next last year. I'm convinced of it. So the fact that he, he's listening to Tony is no big shock. I think it's kind of a surprise to people that didn't know it and that, that are finding out about it. But he's always been behind the scenes in Jerry's ear. You recently have written a article about Cody Bellinger. I was saying at the deadline, why would you trade a guy – you get he's refound who he is, and at one point we thought what his career in L.A. was just going to be a star-studded, brilliant career. Shoulder injury. He's found himself in Chicago. Chicago's a place that has a lot of money. Cubs fans are fired up. Just talk about how Cody Bellinger has revived his career and how Cubby fans feel about him. Yeah, they love him. They love him. And it's not just his offense. He plays unbelievable defense and center. Could be a gold glover at first if he, if he played that position every day. So that could always be a transition at some point for him as well. Um, you know, in, in uncovering all this, it's really about that shoulder strength and the fact that it's back to being what it was or even better um, because he dislocated it famously in the 2020 LCS, NLCS when he high-fived Kiki Hernandez uh, after a, a big home run. So uh, I don't know why it took so long. They claim like the lockout didn't, didn't let him talk to, you know, Dodgers doctors and, and the pandemic kind of prevented him from rehabbing the right way. But look, you could, you could rehab with private doctors too. So I don't quite understand all that, but anyway, it took him two years and the Cubs are the beneficiary. I guarantee you the Yankees, the Blue Jays, a few other teams are, are really um, regretting not signing him because left-handed slug does not grow on trees. It is not easy to find. The Yankees, in fact, at the deadline, were putting all their eggs in the in the Cody Bellinger basket. And when the Cubs took him off the market, it really killed their deadline plans. And you see how the Blue Jays and the Yankees, just using those two teams, just don't have enough balance to, to win um, enough in the playoffs with just right-handed hitters. So the Cubs have that balance with Bellinger. In fact, when he was out in May – their OPS was 100 points lower than when he was in the lineup. And uh, since his return, he's been great. So huge gamble, I suppose, but it's paid off. He's going to make a lot of money. He might lead the Cubs to the playoffs here. Um, there's always feel-bad stories around baseball, like the White Sox, for example. Well, this is a feel-good story. Cody Bellinger returns to form, and the Cubs might be in the playoffs because of it. No doubt about it. I mean, you're talking about a guy that could be a gold glover, I mean, I already know what he does in center, but he's good enough at first base. The versatility, the ability to run, it's off the charts, yep. his age, his prime. What will this mean, though? Because right now, I mean, we got a ways to go, but right now the Cubs are in the playoffs. They're kind of ahead of schedule. What will this mean? Wrigleyville, Chicago, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Cubs in the postseason. Yeah, it's been crazy on the north side of Chicago. Because not just because they're winning. I mean, it's not like they're twenty over five hundred, but they. It's a really entertaining product, and you you know you, you'd have to watch it every day to appreciate it. Um, it's entertaining. It's nail biting. Their last nine games have been decided by two or fewer runs. That hasn't happened to a Cub team that long since nineteen ninety one. So this is the style of play, and they're high scoring games too. It's not like two nothing. It's six four. It's seven five. It's eight seven. They have a good offense and a good bullpen. It's it's rare to make the postseason with a starting staff that is just kind of okay, but right now that's where they're at. So think about it. They're still winning despite not a great starting staff. That almost 
automatically means there's a lot of entertainment going on, right? Because they've come from behind wins, they're late wins, bullpen wins. Um, so it's been an entertaining product, a winning product, and yeah, they're probably a year ahead of themselves. I mean, Bellinger's probably going to get something like seven years and two hundred ten million, you know, some thirty million dollar a year deal. Um, if he was a right-hander, maybe he'd be just another righty on the market. But when you're a lefty doing what he's doing, he's going to make a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of suitors for Cody Bellinger. So uh, that's going to be an interesting thing. But they got to get there first. And if the Cubs make the playoffs and he does something there, that's even more money in his pocket. So uh, it's just been a, a resurgence for him and the team this year for sure. I want you to put your orthopedic surgeon hat on here for me. Um, yeah. So – MLB Pipeline earlier today tweeted out about our guy Mason Miller coming back from rehab who has had nothing but arm problems, especially with his elbow. Oh, he's throwing 100 miles an hour, and I'm going, this is our problem. We're addicted to velocity and 100 miles an hour. I mean, the story, Shohei Otani, do I need to go to DeGrom? Do I need to go to McClanahan? Do I need to go to the percentage of pitchers, big league, minor leagues, college, high school, that are having Tommy John surgery? This is an epidemic. We're pushing these guys' arms to a limit they just can't handle. Is anybody going to address this? Because surgery is something that we shouldn't act like it's the norm. It's not good for people to be undergoing the night. What are we going to do about this epidemic? Yeah, you know what's going to happen? There will be a tipping point. Maybe we've reached it with Otani's second CJ here possibly coming up. Um, what's going to happen is it, it's, almost, it, it's going to be a business calculation. Like the White Sox, for example, have an option on Liam Hendricks. Okay? Now, are they going to pick up the option so he can rehab for $15 million? Oof. Like the answer, I think, is no, right? Like and and then uh, other players that are actually under contract that you have to pay while they rehab. Like I think there's going to be a tipping point and and things will you know it's kind of become circular. Um, the the soft tossers, the sinker ballers, they might come back and vote because they stay healthy. You're exactly right. Show me a guy that throws 100 at 22 years old, and I will show you at least a year and a half to two years missed in the prime of his career because of injury. Most likely Tommy John. Do teams want to pay for that? Do teams want to lose peak value? I don't know. So far, they've been sort of willing to in some ways, but I think there'll be a tipping point. Why are we paying for guys to rehab? Why are we counting on this guy to be there for us? And then May 15th, he's gone for a year and a half. Um, I feel like uh, the business decision will will, will take over, and they'll realize this is a waste of money. Um, DeGrom is a great example. So, So great, but for such a short period of time, What's the point of paying him and counting on him when he's not going to be there? You know, we had all these teams kind of like hovering around. Are they going to make a move? We just talked about Chicago. They're in the playoffs if we look at it right now. The Mariners in our division, they've had two different streaks of winning eight games. They're right in this thing. They could be tied for first place after tonight if they win and Texas loses. But there's a couple teams you look at. One across the bay from us, San Francisco, and the one out east in Boston that I look at, and you just kind of wonder, like, they're in, they're out, they're not, they're, they're big market, they got big money, they're not acting like it, they say they want to win, but actions speak louder than words. I mean, what do you make of teams like the Boston Red Sox and the San Francisco Giants? 
Yeah, you know, there, there's different philosophies when it comes to GMs. A lot of them believe at the deadline to sit still, stand still is, 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 is not taking advantage of whatever situation you're in. If you're in it, you go for it. If you're out of it, you sell. The Giants in Boston, both kind of in that in-between stage, not good enough necessarily to win the World Series, not bad enough to sell. So what's going to happen? They're not going to take advantage of the moment. Now, they might get in. They might get in. But if that's all there is, you know, is that enough? Does that mean something for next year? I mean, every that's what I'm saying. Like every GM is a, a different philosophy. Sometimes getting in is, is good enough because it's a building block for the following season. So it's hard to criticize teams that are headed to the playoffs. But, but look, San Francisco's in a better spot than Boston. The American League is so stacked. Um, maybe Boston should have done more at the deadline to put them into that upper echelon of teams. The NL is a little different, though. Like, San Francisco didn't do a lot. They're, they might get in. Uh, but their schedule is kind of difficult coming up. So, yeah, it's that in-between thing. The Cubs were kind of in that, in that spot as well. The difference is the decision was made for them when they won eight in a row at the deadline. You can't be in a big market, win eight in a row, to get back in the race and then sell. It just it, You have to let the momentum of the moment take over. San Francisco and Boston probably could have pushed their chips in a little bit more or gone the other way. Sort of being that in-between team doesn't get you far, and Boston's likely to come up a little short and then probably regret some things. San Francisco might just get in because the NL is kind of just kind of weak after Atlanta and Los Angeles. But what's it really going to get them if they're not good enough to go anywhere? I tell you what, speaking of the number one market, no one saw the Mets and the Yankees looking like this in August. No one predicted this. We've already gone through the Mets. I think about the Yankees. If if Hal Steinbrenner said, Jesse, I need some help. Hal Steinbrenner gives you a call. You've been watching them all year. You know what's been going on. What would you do with your front office and what would you do with your manager? If Hal Steinbrenner asked you that question, what would you tell him? Okay, so I think Cashman has made mistakes, and he knows that he has. And I think he's tried to fix them, but he hasn't tried in the biggest of ways, and that's going to take some buy-in from his boss. One, what I'm getting at is what I said earlier. Left-handed hitting is extremely important. I don't think enough people talk about this. You can't just have – I don't care if you had six – well, maybe Aaron Judge is a bad example. I don't care if you had six or seven – righty all-stars. I mean, the Yankees are a great example, actually. Judge, Staten, all these guys. You, you need balance. You have to have lefties that can slug because there are so many good right-handed pitchers. They will neutralize the slug of your right-handers. Now, Judge is a different category. But in, in, overall, the long haul, over the long haul, right-handed lineups get neutralized. The best example of this is the Chicago White Sox. They had a team that was growing, 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 20. They made the playoffs, 21. They made, but they didn't address the balance in their lineup. This is my favorite stat to, to, to uh, show this, uh, you know, use this example to show this point. In 21, the White Sox played the Astros in the playoffs. Five-game series they lost, um, they lost in, uh, that series, okay? Um, three to one. They, they're right-handed hitters. Now, we're talking about good hitters. Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, good hitters. They're right-handed hitters. Hit 295 for the series. That's a good batting average. You know what they slugged? 295. Ooh. Every single hit was a single. That's what right-handed pitching does to right-handed hitting. It may not neutralize it completely. Of course you're going to get some hits, but it neutralizes the slug. 
And that is the problem with the Blue Jays and the Yankees and the White Sox and a bunch of teams, Brewers. It's tough to find good lefties. So long story short, I would say whatever it takes, I need to sign either Shohei Otani or Cody Bellinger. Whatever that number is, I have to find balance and cross my fingers that Anthony Rizzo returns. If you sign Bellinger and Rizzo returns to form, that's a real lineup. Now, it doesn't completely fix the starting staff, but you have a very good bullpen. You know, you, you piecework you piece the, the starting staff after Garrett Cole, and you're back. I truly do believe it would take one great left-handed hitter to fix the Yankees. So there's my answer. All right, let's end on this. It is a three-horse race. They're coming around the final turn. Rangers are leaking oil. They've lost seven in a row. Seattle's red hot. Houston's, eh, they're about 500 lately. They're coming around the corner. Texas has a one-game lead over Seattle and Houston. If you had to buy one horse down the stretch here in the in our American League West, which horse are you buying? Yeah, at the All-Star break when we were asked this kind of question at ESPN, I answered, I think Texas holds on. I'm definitely changing my answer, and I'm actually going to go with Houston. Um, I know the, 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 the sexy pick is Seattle, but Houston has the experience. They have the manager that can push the right buttons at the right time. I haven't looked at all three schedules, so obviously that can play a part. But the fact that they're within a game of each other, as we're about to hit September, Houston has the know. They have the know-how. They have the experience. I, I, I think it's them. I think it's them. At some point, they're going to make that turn in September and win the division. Look, the year after a championship is never easy. So even if they win it by one or two games, it's still an unbelievable you know, follow-up season for the Astros. They sort of bided their time, had a ton of injuries, which is expected after winning a championship. I think the fact that they're, they're this close now, I think they win it. Look, I, I, Seattle's been great, but they have to do it again for another month. I, I think at some point they cool off, and I'm going to give it to the Astros. Great stuff. We always love having you on the program. Let's chat soon and enjoy the down-the-stretch here the final part of the 2023 season. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Anytime. Take care. Take care, Jesse. Jesse Rogers, ESPN. He's fantastic. Love having him on. He was great when we had him at the winter meetings. Good stuff. You know, ESPN, they got a good article right now on Randy Arozarena. Randy Arozarena. They still have some good stuff. ESPN from a .com website still holding on. TV, I don't even watch ESPN anymore unless it's a game. I haven't watched. I couldn't even tell you the last time I watched Sports Center. Well, there's no need to because if you want to watch baseball highlights, I they're do. not existent. I go to the network. But if you want to see about LeBron and Tom Brady, WNBA, and, and uh, what else is on there? Um, they're, Cowboys. They're properties. I mean, they're gonna. It's gonna be football, but yeah, you're gonna get NBA, WNBA because that's their properties. They have the NHL, but they barely even promote it. So. No, same thing with baseball. They just – it's non-existent. Baseball tonight, gone. I think they used to do it on, like, Sundays now before the Sunday night baseball game, which usually is Yankees-Red Sox anyway. Oh, wow. You just can't let that go. <laughs> Don't, tell you me what I'm telling lies. It's not true. <laughs> that ain't true. <laughs> if it's not Yankees-Red Sox, it's Yankees-someone. Or Reds – tonight's Apple game. Who is it? Red Sox Dodgers. 
Well, that makes sense. Yes, it does. I mean, from a programming standpoint, I'm going to put. I, who are the Yankees playing? Who, who do you want? You would you rather have KC Seattle? Uh, Mets Angels. Would you rather have Brewers Padres? Ooh. Hey, by the way, I think you'd like this. Um, Padres still have a nine point eight percent chance of making the postseason. <laughs> no, they don't. By the way, they're on here. 32.8% of the Padres' payroll is Tatis, Machado, and Bogarts. It's a lot of money, the three guys. Oh, my God. Cronenworth. Well. Darvish. They got they, – they, well, what are you going to do with Soto? They, they they got problems. Robert Suarez, who now just got suspended for 10 games. Well, ye, let's not make a big deal out of, oh, my God, he got 10 – that is the rule, right? Yeah. Scherzer got popped. It's yeah. 10 games. The, the the clickbait, everybody – reliever gets suspended for 10 games. Everybody gets suspended. You get suspended for 10 games. Yeah, it's, a, it's part of the – But the headlines, stuff. everybody's trying yeah. to do clickbait. Like, why did he get 10 games? Well, because if you get suspended for sticky stuff, it's 10 games. Speak, to keep up with the Padres, John Heyman uh... – And they didn't use our wiffle ball. Eno Saris and I have come up with – where is Eno? Oh, we already did Eno this yeah. week. We've come up with that. If you can put a wiffle ball on there and it sticks, you're dirty. We we have our own test. We can even put some weights on the wiffle ball to make it a little heavier. If you put a wiffle, put your hand out. If I stick a wiffle ball there, I mean, because, like, look, if I put a ball, it's going to drop. Like a wiffle ball is light, right? So if I put a wiffle ball, if you got, like, a right here, if I put a wiffle ball here and it sticks, you're out. Put your arm out. Oh, you got it here? Oh, the Wiffle ball sticks? Nah, don't tell me you got rosin and sweat. Get out of here, sunscreen. Uh, but with the Padres, John Heyman handicapped uh, the landing spots for Otani. Hit the Padres second behind only the Dodgers. I don't, I don't know where they're getting this money. But. They're fiscally not responsible. <laughs> and if you think that they're going to now put on how much money? That's crazy. Baseball at some point would have to step in and go, hey, what are you doing? Remember they had to do that with Frank McCourt and the Dodgers? Frank McCourt was using his parking lots to fund, <laughs> to keep things still afloat. It's a bad deal, man. It's a bad, it's a bad, it can be a bad deal financially, and that's that's the worst. You think an owner not spending what you want is bad? What's worse is an owner spending more than what they have. And now you're putting the actual franchise in jeopardy. That's the worst case that right there is worst case scenario. Coming up next, it's this simple. We have a half hour left. Just about, yeah. We have no more guests. No. Coming up next, Cody Elias is going to take shots at Billy Bean. Next, right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. We've got a little baseball coming your way. 
Zach Neal will make his first start since 2016. Inspiring. Where were you in 2016? Covering the A's, the Raiders. Was I doing Warriors then too? And Sharks and Niners. (laughs) There was a time where I did literally A's, Raiders, Warriors all at the same time. It was pretty ridiculous. You were a man of many, you wore many hats. It was awful. Like, I thought it was cool at first, and then when you're, like, doing multiple shows for multiple teams a day, and, and there was times where, like, I'd be on two different radio stations at the same time because some of it was taped. I mean, it was stupid. It was just stupid. Uh, 2016, the Warriors went. When was 2000? What happened in 2016? Was that the year they lost? That was the year, I think that was the year they won, they won 73 and lost. So we did not have the contract yet. KMBR stuff. So Matt Steinmetz and I did a a guerrilla warfare Warriors postgame show against KMBR at that time. So I had my talk show. I was doing A's and I was doing Raiders. Yep. 2015-16 Warriors. That's the one they had the 73 wins. Okay. That's what I was doing in 2016. Kids were young. I was married for the first time. How'd that go? Made it to the next year. <laughs> and that was it. And divorce is not easy. No. Divorce is not easy. We're kind of seeing a divorce right now. And what we're also seeing, like in a divorce, one side wants to talk it out. The other side doesn't. Did you want to talk a lot when you were getting a divorce with uh, your ex-wife? Not really. It was mutual. But what if she wanted to talk it out? Well, why? Well, why? Why? Why is this happening? How much would you have wanted to do that? I didn't. You didn't? No. Interesting. Funny how that works. It always depends on which side of the relationship you're on. (laughs) Well, when when the thing, when it all ended and when you had 95% of her family agreeing with me, I I don't think I needed to talk. But usually... (laughs) You're agreeing with the side. When you agree with one side, you don't see the other side. That's fair, yeah. Right? It's hard. Divorce is hard. I won't do it again. Knock on wood. Whoa, 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 whoa. I could see you. I never see my wife. I mean, I love your wife, but I could see you easily be a 3-4 guy. What am I, Ross Geller from Friends? You could be a 3-4 guy. My Aunt Judy's 3-4 defense? My Aunt Judy was 4 uh, I don't know if she's going for five. She's still alive. Strive for five. <laughs> oh, I can see you be a three or four guy. No, um, well, I never see my wife, so there's no reason for us to fight or have issues. I, mean, I work and she works, and she's always in Cabo or Cancun. or She's going to Florida next month. Good for her. I wish I had that schedule. I got to see my wife every day. She goes, Except oh. tomorrow when I'm down in Los Angeles, when the mighty Spartans take on USC, we go down there, the University of Spoiled Children, we go down there <laughs> and work their ass at the L.A. Coliseum. My wife goes, my grandparents, um, they want to go to Detroit and Florida, but I don't want them traveling by, themsel- by themselves because they're, they're in their 80s. She's like, so Where I'm- in Florida, though? I, you know, I didn't ask. I didn't. There's a big – it's like or- California. You, you're going to California. Well, where? 
They're old, so I'll probably Boko Boko Like if someone says you're in up in Fresno, uh, I'm not saying that's a great trip. No, so now if you're in up in South Beach, they're not going to Miami. Um, so the Keys? No, I'll, I'll have to find out. If she's listening, I'm sure she'll text me, but I'm, she's probably not listening. I know Florida people on the West Coast try and just crap on Florida. I've had great times in Florida. She's actually in there's it. some fun to be had in fun. Fort Lauderdale. Forget about it. Now. Where the Rays play, St. Pete. Pete. (laughs) They had a nice little downtown right on the water. It's nice. Yeah, it was a very rare. Fort Lauderdale. (laughs) What about Jacksonville? You ever been there? Jacksonville, yep. I've been to Jack. I've been to all over. I've been to Orlando. I've been to Tampa. Have you started the the puff piece on Netflix called Swamp Kings about Florida and Urban Meyer? Is that what that is? Because it keeps popping up on my phone. I'm three episodes in, and it's just. Is it year? Is this the first time it's been? Yeah. Uh, so it keep, I, I thought, swear to God, I thought it was like Gator Boys. Remember Gator Boys? No. There was a show on Netflix or whatever on get, where these guys went. People in Florida would call up, and you'd have like a gator in your pool. Where oh. you gotta get, and they would come and get the gator. I thought there was something on Swamp People. Oh, I didn't realize it was a power up in my, and it keeps popping up on my phone. It's now released. You know, Netflix sends yeah. you the notifications. That's about Urban Meyer. It's about Florida. Oh. Yeah, it uh, shows you what a he is a horrible person. Yes, that's why I was talking. Urban about Meyer is such. When you watch him now Saturdays on TV, you realize this guy is a horrible guy. He's on Fox, right? Yeah, he's a dirt bag. Uh, my wife's going to Jacksonville. I've been there. It's all right. It's going to go I want, we'll, we'll, more likely to happen. She runs Jacksonville, the, Florida. She runs, not far from Pontevedra Beach where uh, Sawgrass, where the Players' Championship is. People love Pontevedra Beach, upper north on the Georgia-Florida line. More they, likely to happen. They've done songs about it. They have a band. I'll take your word for it. You're not in the country. All well, right. Tell me why. Billy, you think Billy Bean doesn't know what he's talking about. You didn't even set up the story. Am I supposed to set that up? (laughs) Okay, so Bob Clappish for the New Jersey Ledger has covered the Yankees literally forever. I couldn't even tell you the last time we had him on. But I used to have him on all the time. And he spoke with Billy Bean about Brian Cashman. Cashman and Bean are boys. Bean got the job late 97. Cashman got the job early 98. They were the two longest. There was a great piece in The Athletic years ago about how when the 98 Yankees were winning, Cashman went to Bean about analytics. And basically what the Yankees are in analytics now, it was Billy Bean who got them kick-started on it because in 98, Cashman realized, hey, we're going to have to do things different than just go by everybody the way George Steinbrenner wanted to back in those times. Get it, right? So now Clappish reaches out to Bean, and Bean makes a very good point. You have never seen the Yankees go on a period of time where they've done any losing. They're in the playoffs basically every year. Last year, Yankee Stadium, they didn't make it. There's very few years in all of – Cashman's tenure where they didn't make the postseason. That is an incredible. They truly are the definition of a dynasty. 
A dynasty is where you win championships, but you win for an extended period of time. Look how many times since they won the World Series. What year was that? 96? Oh, for the first time. Oh, nine. 96? Yes. 96, 98, 99, 2000. We're in the World Series in 01. Win it in 09. They were in 03, too. I mean, all these years they've been in the world, but all those other years they weren't, they were in the playoffs. So it's been a true run under Cashman that's unreal. Bean makes a great point, but you're going to say, William Bean the third. you don't know what the hell you're talking about. The floor is yours. The question was, does anyone care that the Yankees were better than the Braves for, the most, for most of the last 25 years? Billy's right. They have been. Um, but I disagree because you're Brian Cashman, you're running the Yankees, and everyone says that they are – the model, you know, you, they're the organization goes out and spends money. But that's great if you spend money on Garrett Cole. You've developed one position player in the last X amount of years, and that's Aaron Judge. So you're not developing guys. You're not signing good free agents. Uh, how, I mean, Anthony Rizzo's had the concussion issues, and he traded for John Carlo. Uh, the Josh Donaldson trade is a disaster for them, and they knew he was a cancer in a clubhouse in, in Minnesota, so that didn't work out. Who's pitching behind Garrett Cole? Nasty Nestor can't stay healthy. Uh, Luis Severino, you thought you had something. There's nothing there. Uh, Domingo Herman, there's a lot of issues. Now the whole thing with alcoholism, which hopefully he, Reno comes back soon from, from all that. But it's just, as Mad Dog said it on his show yesterday, no guy, sh- no individual should be running an organization for this long. And I I'd never thought of it that way. And then I started thinking, you know what? Maybe the Yankees need to, to overhaul and make a change. He also said that he wouldn't take Aaron, – Aaron Boone is not in the top ten managers in baseball, but this has nothing to do with Aaron Boone. This has to do with Brian Cashman. And I'm not even a Yankee fan. So, yeah. I just disagree. I think the Yankees should make a change. They haven't won since 09. You're the Yankees. Brian Cashman should be fired is what you're saying. He just signed an extension. We saw it. We were in San Diego. Winter meetings last December, they parade, they paraded him out in front of the meeting. He waved to us. Yeah. Remember, he waved. Cash Hey, he Fr- waved to yeah. us. Friend from afar. Yeah, he waved to us. You're saying you should be fired. He can mutually part ways and put a put more politely. No, he's just signed a kind. You stand on the wall or not, he should be fired. I think you should make a change. Yes. Okay. He should be fired. Yes. Not just make a change. You got to call him in and say you're fired. If Bob Myers didn't return for the Warriors and they won how many titles in the last how many years? It has nothing to do with Bob Myers. I, but I'm just you're looking firing at- Brian Cashman. I want to be on record. Yes. Okay. Now, I thought about this last night on my walk, and something I think everybody needs to realize: the business of baseball has changed, and it's changed to a point. I got into this a little bit with Jim Duquette. The business of baseball has completely changed. You've seen for 100 years the Yankees had the power of the purse. They had more money. They just, they're in the Northeast. They're in New York. It's the most populated. It's the richest state. It's the richest, well, it was at the time for all those years. They had everything. They had the advantage. They could buy everybody's players. They could do all this. Well, we're now in 2024 where they don't have way more money than everybody anymore. There's a level playing field. 
We've put a CBT up there, basically a luxury tax that says if you keep on going over it, you're going to get drilled and it's going to hurt your organization. So we have a soft cap. For God's sakes, the owner of the Mets could buy the Steinbrenners four times over. He's way richer than they ever. Back then, it was the boss. It was the Yankees, and they bought everybody's players. Remember all that garbage that happened? And everybody thought, oh, the A's are a farm system. Steve Cohen is worth $16 billion. He's worth way more money than the Steinbrenners. Like, think about the NBA. Steve Ballmer, who owns the Clippers from Microsoft, is worth $20 billion. Joe Lacob's just over a billion. Steve Ballmer could buy Joe Lacob 20 times over, but they have a salary cap, so he's... I mean, Mark Cuban's worth like $6 billion. Lacob is not as rich as everybody thinks he is, and his group is as rich as that. Steve Ballmer is, himself is worth $20 billion. It's insane. But the point is, the Yankees... They don't have way more money than anybody else. They don't have way more money, like the San Francisco Giants. They don't have way more money than the Dodgers or the Houston Astros or the Texas Rams. Everybody's got money to spend, the Philadelphia Phillies. There's plenty of teams with money, so they can't go out and say, we're the Yankees, we're going to spend more. They can't do that anymore. You just saw when an owner said, to hell with it, largest payroll in the history of baseball, what happened with the Mets? They're already getting rid of the guys because it doesn't work. So the way baseball's set up and the way everybody has money now because everybody's getting money from their local TV, everybody's getting money from the national TV, everybody's getting money from all the different technology, they're getting money from the Apple deal, they're getting money from the Peacock deal, they're getting money from the merch deal. Everybody in baseball is getting tons of money. It's just, do you want to spend it or not? Plus your attendance and all that kind of, everybody's making money. So that's why the Texas Rangers can go out and go DeGrom, Simeon, Seager. They can just, oh, we'll take on Scherzer. They got the money. Years ago, the Yankees could always outbid the Texas Rangers for a free agent. Now they can't. That, that power of the purse, that has been leveled. And also, if the Yankees wanted to flex some serious might with payroll, you're going to get hammered in the CBT, and it's bad for business. So now, you do have to produce people from your farm system. You do have, with 26 spots, 40-man roster, guys have to be able to come. You've got to find it somewhere else because you just can't pay for it. That's why I wanted to bring up the 98, the 99 and 2000 Yankees. If you went position by position when they were so dominant, what that team would be worth now in today's finances, right out of the bat, right out of the gate, right out of the gate, Roger Clemens and David Cohn are costing 40 million each. That's 80 million between two players. We haven't even talked about Mariano Rivera, Jeter, Posada, Pettit, Tino Martinez, Chuck Knobloch, they would all be expensive. It'd be a 400 and something million dollar payroll. Can you imagine the luxury tax on a 400 million dollar team? Be insane. It would be, I, I can't even imagine. I don't care how much money they're making. You want to pay that much money in taxes? So it's like this whole mantra of we should win the World Series every year. It's just not, man, you can't even get to the World Series in back-to-back years. 
The best modern-day run we have seen is the Astros. It's hard. It really, really is hard. The Dodgers have had a great run. The Dodgers technically are the model organization because they spend, they got big-name players, and their farm system is still one of the best, and they keep, they keep producing guys. The Houston Astros, their business model may be the best because they say, listen, this is what we're going to spend on you. If you don't like it, well, thanks for everything. You can go somewhere else, and we'll just replace you. The Astros and the Dodgers are really the teams that are doing it the right way. And the days of the Yankees being able to flex that payroll and we can do what we want, we're the Yankees, they don't have that power anymore. Hell, their neighbor, as I just said, the Mets, their owner has way more cash than you do. People have way more money than the Yankees now. Or the money you really can spend because of the luxury tax, people are comparable. The Yankees just can't go out and outspend you unless they want to go way over the luxury tax, which nobody wants to do. So, and that way, credit baseball, because they don't have a salary cap, but you could say the luxury tax, the CBT, collective balance tax, it is working. Yeah, for sure. And I was just, as you're talking, I was trying to see how many guys, because you mentioned developing. Uh, three position players that play a good amount of time. Uh, Kyle Higashioka, their catcher. Higgy! Anthony Volpe, who's a rookie, and Aaron Judge. Everyone else between Rizzo, Torres, DJ LeMahieu, Isaiah Kainafalefa, Harrison Bader, Giancarlo, Jake Bowers, uh, Jose Trevino. These guys are all guys that they brought in. But that doesn't mean you can't win that way. Oh, no, not at all. But, you- but what I would say is the biggest problem is that they're all the same player or they have the same style. Because, I mean, let's face it. Tampa's had some really good teams that they ain't drafting any of their guys. That's true, yeah. And Tam- Tampa's doing it on the on their budget. They're not drafting, but but they're also developing those guys and finding like, the Yankees aren't like these guys aren't developing. Well, they're they're developing guys and they trade them, and they're bringing a bunch of people in. Yeah. They're, they're doing how the A's have done it for years, right? But so the whole point is, you don't necessarily have to draft the guys, but you've got to produce people. But the problem with the Yankees is that they've all turned – it's what we've learned recently is about what they what they care about. All they care about is power. Well, they've kind of always cared about that. But, the, you know, it's barrel rates. It's exit velocities. That, so, all of a sudden, you have a very unathletic team that's just built on power. And right now, you're playing against teams in your own division who are highly athletic, who have power, who play defense. We just saw the Baltimore Orioles – they got athleticism all through that lineup, right? They hit, they throw, they run, they do everything. Tampa's been one of the most disciplined, best teams we've seen, and they're also very athletic now. So you've got you've got a beer league softball team. That's what your minor leagues has produced, but that's what you've wanted because all you care about, how hard do you hit it, your bail rate, your velocity, that's all they've cared about, and that's what they got. And now – and, also, and they also say strikeouts. They don't care about strikeouts either. They don't care about strikeouts. They got a bunch of dudes that strike out. They all play the same game, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And now you're in last place. You can't buy your way out of it. In modern-day baseball, where we are right now, you can't buy your way out of your problems. What are they, five under Angels right are an example. Yeah. Padres are an example. Mets are an example. You can't buy your way out of problems. And you can't you can't buy a championship. It just does, doesn't doesn't work. Doesn't work. Right now, 
entering today, the Yankees playoff odds, they're 61 and what, 61 and 66, I think they are. The Yankees playoff odds are down to 0.2%. Yeah, they're not making the playoffs. And A's fans, I want to throw this out here today because I, I almost think I, I want to say it's criminal. Obviously, it's not criminal. But I think what MLB Pipeline did today with Mason Miller is a travesty. It's an absolute travesty. They put out a tweet, oh, Mason Miller's hitting 100. How many times did he hit 100? Seven. Mason Miller hit 107 times. Mason Miller can't stay healthy. Mason Miller, you're tweeting about a guy who hasn't been able to pitch because he's got a bad elbow. He's got an elbow that's ready to blow at any point, and we're bragging how hard he throws. Steven Strasburg just retired. Shohei Otani's got to have his second Tommy John. Jacob deGrom, second Tommy John. Shane McClanahan, is that two or one? I think it's a second. Second. We keep bragging about guys' velocity, and they keep not being able to withstand it with their elbows. I thought it was a crime that you're tweeting out this, hey, Mason Miller's throwing 100 again. What is wrong with our sport? We're bragging that Mason Miller in a minor league game threw 100 miles an hour seven times, and the reason why he's pitching in a minor league game is because he can't stay healthy because his arm and body can't take the velocity. But we're going to celebrate it? You think Mason Miller, the way he throws right now, the way he is, is going to have a five-year career? Probably not. I mean, I'm not asking for 10. I'm asking for five, and you're saying probably not. You don't think there's a problem? Hey, Mason, got to tell you, you keep throwing like this, you're not going to have a career. You want to know who started the game for Tacoma? So, no, it, it's a, he's the opposite end of the spectrum. Tommy Malone started last night. He's still in the league, and he doesn't throw 99. Just showing you. Something's going to have to happen because all these guys that throw hard and all the guys at the pitching ninja, look how crazy it is. They all get hurt. So we got pitching ninja. We'll be with us next Tuesday. Yeah, we got to say, man, you, you, but they get hurt. Like it's cool that you throw 101 miles an hour and the ball moves all over the way, but you get hurt. You have no career. I wish I could go back to that spring training conversation that you and I had where I was bringing up the gambler Kenny Rogers and you were crapping on his career. You want to go back to Kenny Rogers' career again with all your fireballers who are not even going to have a career? Kenny Rogers did have a good career. Yeah, pitched a long time, made a lot of money. Pitching a long time. Great Oakland A. There's plenty of classic games I put up with him pitching. I mean, long. you pitch a long time, you make a lot of money. You don't pitch a long time, you don't make a lot of money. Mason Miller going to make a lot of money in this game? Well, if he's only pitching for five years, probably not. And I want him to pitch longer. But the way he's pitching, it's not going to – like, I don't don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. I just – I know pitching the way he pitches, he can't stay healthy. But he continues to pitch the way he pitches. It's a ticking time bomb. And we're going to sit here and like, ooh, ah, for a few games, and then all of a sudden, up, oh, there's the headline, feeling something weird in the elbow, shut it down. Like, how many times are we going to do this dance before we realize this doesn't work? Well, Jesse said it. He thinks that Otani was the the, melt, the uh, tipping point. So we'll, we'll see. Well, Otani 
just all that stuff came out, and MLB Pipeline is still tweeting out Mason Miller throwing 100. Yeah. Are they going to be tweeting out when he's back on the IL? Probably not. I mean, and, and what do you do as an organization now the A's? I mean, you got to pitch him, and knowing that he's just going to break down. You want good news? Jacob Wilson his first home run last night. I think that will be in the fifth inning report. Robert Costa has the audio. Great thing is, A's have won three of four. People have asked me what I'm doing in October. I, I'm. What's our playoff odds? We've won three of four. We're getting hot. Uh, zero. It's still zero. zero. Yeah. Not even like zero. Point one. Zero. Us Pirates Angels all zero. Never know. Get hot. You know. Eh, you got to be 500 to be in the. It's not true. <laughs> Hey, that ain't true. Bottom line, we're hot. Thank you, Jesse Rogers. Thank you, Mark Kotze. And the Duke, Jim Duquette, one of our all-time favorites, former GM, now does TV for the Mets, and, of course, his great show, Power Alley on Sirius XM. His Sunday show with Jim Bowden, the two ex-GMs, the front office, second to none on Sundays. Go Spartans this weekend. San Jose State, I'll be there tomorrow at the L.A. Coliseum to take on those Dirt bags, the USC Trojans. Coming up next, A's baseball. A's and the White Sox as the A's try and make it two in a row. I'm not going to tell you on what side. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.